All right, everybody, welcome to the 96-Person Bringer podcast. I am your host, Brian Stoops. From the ages of seven until I was about 24, I was a professional magician in Southern California. Then for the last 20 years, I've been focused on courting my wife, marrying my wife, raising our two children, intensely studying the martial arts, and being a professional educator. However, in 2020, I started stand-up comedy, and since then, I've had some interesting results, and I've met some interesting people. That brings us to the podcast. This is the inaugural episode of the podcast, and uh, I I have guests lined up, and I have a schedule, and we're going to roll everything out and uh, however, I need uh, I need an episode. I need some content. So this episode only, I'm going to serve as the guest. I'm going to run through exactly what I'm going to be asking the guests. The same questions, the same amount of time. That way, uh, potential guests can watch this episode and know what this is all about. Just a quick reminder, depending on where you're watching the shortened version of this content, uh, if you could give a like and either subscribe to the channel or follow, um, whatever that looks like based on where you're watching the shortened version of this content, it really does make a difference and it really is important and I really do appreciate it. Um, I'm also just going to name, I'm I'm a little under the weather, that's my why my voice sounds the way it does. Pardon me, get a drink of water there. We had a, also a show last night, stand-up comedy show in Queens that I hosted. Um, so my voice is just a teeny little bit blown out, but um, I'm going to try and do something I almost never do and talk with an indoor voice uh, during this. And that way I still get my content and everything is good and we can proceed. So this is normally the part of the show where I would... Um, I would absolutely introduce the guest and uh, move forward from there. And so we're going to move right into where we normally would go, which is 15 minutes for my background, whatever else I want to promote. So this would be the part of the show where the guest explains how they got into stand-up comedy, talk about whatever's coming up and whatever they want to promote and anything else. And there's a 15 minute timer, uh, which is going to come on the screen now. So uh, my background, as I mentioned, again, normally this would not be a factor because I would do the show intro uh, the way that I've done it a few minutes ago. Um, but again, my background, this is where the guests would normally be giving us their background. But my background, again, is I grew up in Eastern Los Angeles County and I was a magician. I did magic all over Southern California from the age of about seven until uh, about the age of 24. And so I actually did my first show, as I said, when I was seven years old, my uh, mother, actually both my parents were involved in running a youth science center and they were having an event and they let me put on a magic show and then uh, a man who had a Cub Scout group saw that show, invited me to do a show for that Cub Scout group, paid me something like $20, um, which again, this would have been around 1985. And, you know, 1985, seven-year-old perspective, $20 was quite amazing. And so um, I booked another Cub Scout show from there and another Cub Scout show. And there was a local uh, magic shop a couple cities away. And I used to spend a lot of time there after school and on weekends and got to kind of know that group and start performing. I became a young magician member of the Magic Castle, famous Magic Castle in Hollywood. I would perform there every summer in their Future Stars of Magic week. Uh, is where because it's a 21 and older club normally so that's where the young magician members for the because usually they bring in different magicians every week monday through sunday and so that was the one week a year called future stars of magic week um and i did future stars of magic week for maybe seven eight years in a row 
performing. It was always in the summer, which was nice. We were out of school and uh, did, I was on a Saturday morning TV show, an episode with Mario Lopez of Saved by the Bell fame and other things. Uh, the late, great Harry Blackstone Jr., famous illusionist, um, was on a, a special, a television special for Japan's NHK television network. That's one of their, if not their biggest TV networks out there. Um, performed quite a few places, New Orleans, Orlando, uh, took two quarters off, uh, my, my studies in college, got a, eventually earned a bachelor's degree in theater. Um, but my sophomore year took two quarters off, went to Japan, lived in Japan for six months, did 300 hotel shows in Japan during those six months. Uh, came back, eventually moved to Las Vegas about a month and a few weeks before 9-11. Very, very strange time and kind of decimated the tourism industry and uh, moved, ended up moving back to back home and kind of started my path as an educator at that point and the other things that I mentioned. Excuse me. So 2018... Um, I was leaving a, a job and looking to go back into the classroom and we were in a position, we took a shot. We moved to New York city and we had been coming out here for vacation, uh, maybe once every two years, started bringing the kids, um, and a, a school out here made me an offer and we moved out here. And flash forward to late 2019, early 2020, I was doing some traveling uh, for related to my martial arts practice. And while I was traveling, I was writing some stand-up comedy. I uh, And I'll address why I was doing that in another question later. Um, I've always loved stand-up. I've always watched stand-up. I've always admired stand-ups. And obviously there's, you know, the absolutely incredible stand-up scene here in New York City. So I was writing some material while I was traveling a bit with the intention of doing some open mics and just seeing uh, how things went. And the pandemic started. So I actually started stand-up online. I think in a lot of ways it was an advantage only because I had not already started doing stand-up. So I, I imagine it would have been a lot harder had I, I been actively performing, you know, live on stage and then to just suddenly lose that option. So uh, I got very comfortable with Zoom shows and digital shows and wrote quite a lot of material. And I, my perspective, I've discussed this with a lot of stand-ups. It was all new and it was all really fun. I took a stand-up comedy class with uh, an, an organization that, you know, I've continued to kind of work with here and there as the world opened back up here in New York City. I met several people from the Los Angeles stand-up scene that I still do Zoom shows with and live shows if I go back out there. And because my wife and I go back quite often to visit as our, our families are still out there in Southern California. And so when we go out there, I try to try to book spots ahead of time. And so I met a lot of those people. Uh, I've met, you know, it, it was... Also, just from the standpoint of saying, trying to stay sane in an absolute scary time and a really uncertain time. And it was a it was a great way of just kind of making, you know, a really dark time period a little lighter and retaining <laughs> whatever measure of sanity I had to begin with uh, during that time period. And so it was, you know, absolutely as productive as it could be. And so, I mean, in, in that way, it was kind of positive. And, you know, by 2021, things were opening again. And I went about the business of starting to perform 
in person. And I still balance a lot of my, like, if you look at my October schedule, uh, I do a fair amount of in-person shows, but I also balance that out with uh, Zoom shows. So I'm working with a group, uh, Sauced in the City. They're going to be, they're doing some some live shows in Vegas. I'm going to be participating in one towards the end of the year in December. And then there's uh, Dat Fan is the win- the winner of the first season of Last Comic Standing. And he's got a comedy school and a group. Uh, and I'm I'm quite fond of him and and that group. Uh, so I try to try to do about one of those shows. That's obviously all he's in Los Angeles. I uh, should have mentioned that. And so try to do about one of those shows a week. So really balance out the the in-person shows with Zoom comedy. And I find that it's all valuable. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, yeah, it's all valuable. It's all flight time. Um, ultimately, you know, it's all pretty worthwhile. And so just, I mean, highlights, I have performed i i had a residency last summer at broadway comedy club in manhattan uh performed at at the majority of a lot of the major clubs in new york city and i'm still working my way to gotham and the cellar those are on the horizon haven't haven't quite been there yet uh but the majority of the other clubs uh, i've started producing i have a regular show that I produced that was the show last night in Kew Gardens in Queens and then I have another monthly show that I've sort of inherited uh in the East Village we're putting on our second one next week and uh it's you know in just a short time I just feel real lucky to have met a lot of great talent I mean really and that that was one of the driving forces in starting this is just the ability to have some in-depth conversations. And I know, you know, you're not seeing or hearing this right now because this is kind of a test episode. I want everybody to see the format. Uh, But I just have really enjoyed meeting just, you know, so many interesting, talented, funny, insightful people that share, you know, this went from something that I wanted to kind of try to honestly a little bit of an obsession and uh, I'm pursuing some things that are sort of like semi-professional in nature uh, this year and uh, you know just really enjoying kind of enjoying the journey so you know as far as promotions I mentioned my regular shows Uh, this past summer I, I did my first Edinburgh Fringe festival in August had a six day run with a 50-5-0, 50 minute show. It was a show that I actually took to the Hollywood Fringe Festival for two performances in June. Really enjoy doing a longer show. And, you know, I'm going to talk about goals and goal setting for me and later, but I mean, definitely for me, being in theaters and doing a longer set and and developing being real purposeful about developing an hour or you know give or take a few minutes uh hollywood fringe i was doing an hour and edinburgh it was 50 minutes edinburgh was really like minute by minute uh you know the next show's loading in as you're loading out it's very it's the, the schedule is crazy but also really exhilarating and um so I have another festival that has been confirmed that's going to be England. I'm not allowed to go into specifics uh, until the 25th of October, which is when the f- the festival will launch their guidebook and brochures and all the advertising. And I can, I can really go public at that point, but that's locked. That's locked and set up. And so that'll be a five-day run. And that'll be 70, a 75 minute version of that show, that hour or or that show, if you will, I call celebrity girlfriend draft. I'm really proud of that hour. 
uh, put a lot of time into it. And so that'll be February. I'll definitely be talking more about that. Um, but that is locked in place. I'm just not allowed to go into details at this time. And so, you know, it's been a lot of exciting things like that. A lot of the comedy clubs here in New York City, uh, a lot of the comedy clubs in Southern California had the opportunity to do the comedy store in last December, December 2022. And that that set what that set went really, really well. And that that night was just kind of like a dream come true, super fun. Um, Gary Busey, the actor, his ex-wife was one of the comedians on the show and um spent a lot of her set like roasting him. It was all very sweet though. They were talking. He came over to like the comedians area after the show and, and they were there just their physicality. I mean, there's still obviously, even though they're not married anymore, a lot of love there. Uh, and then I had the opportunity to, to talk to him and get a photo, you know, for not to, not to be a name dropper, but uh, it's just, it's one of those like surreal, Hey, remember that memory that I'll have for the rest of my life. The first time I played the comedy store and Gary Busey was in the audience. And, uh, you know, I literally, I got the chance to say, you know, I'm a big fan of yours. And he was being nice. And he, it was after the show. And he said, well, I'm a big fan of yours. And we got to joke around for a couple of minutes. So uh, performed in clubs in New Jersey and Connecticut. And uh, just did a show in Philly a couple of weeks ago, Vermont. Uh, and just... Yes, I'm kind of setting my sights on challenging myself and trying to get in different kinds of venues and have different kinds of opportunities, but also just really, really seriously trying to enjoy the journey and focus on those things. So, uh, you know, everything for me is you can see the spelling of my name if you're watching with video, but it's Brian Stoops with a Y, B-R-Y-A-N, spelled correctly. <laughs> um, and Stoops is S-T-O-O-P-S. So all my socials are either at Brian Stoops Comedy or BrianStoopsComedy.com is the website. And you can follow me there. Gotten some really interesting results. Uh, just just about to hit 100,000 views for standup on YouTube have about 80,000 views on um, another app and social media. And it's just been a really exciting time. So I think I'm going to stop this here. That's right about on time. And so we move into the next question. Again, normally I would be asking this of my guests. And so, but again, I want to have something that people can get a sense of what this is all about and they can watch and do their thing. So this next question, who are your comedic influences and what do they mean to you? And I have five minutes and the timer has already started. The goal of the show is to have an hour. Comedians are always working on their hour. So we have a nice, concise, insightful conversation in an hour's time and we call it a day. My primary comedic influence that got me really thinking about doing stand-up again um, sorry to jump on the train with everybody else, but John Mulaney, uh, we, my daughter and I in particular, and then eventually everybody in the family, uh, I really noticed him from Kid Gorgeous at Radio City. It's, that was his third special. And so I, I watched his specials on Netflix in reverse order. So I watched Kid, Kid Gorgeous first, uh, Combat Kid second and then new in town third and initially also sort of appreciated them in that descending order um i you know kid gorgeous will remain my favorite special of his even you know we we saw what became uh baby j we we saw that at radio at i'm sorry uh, um madison square garden uh, the family went, and that was prior to him releasing it as a special. And I like that block material, to be sure. But Kid Gorgeous, for me, is just really, really special. Um, and and Mulaney, obviously, absolutely incredible. Everybody's, you know, there's a lot has been said and written. Uh, straight 
stand up, when I think about stand up, Patton Oswalt is somebody that's had a, a big old influence on me. His early stuff, so incredibly dark. And then obviously he lost his first wife and his sort of journey through grief, but then sort of powering through for the sake of his daughter and then falling in love with another woman and kind of rediscovering joy and hope. You know, I'm a huge, just, I'm a huge fan of his as a comedian. I'm also just kind of a huge fan of his as a man and like this cycle of, of depression and joy and negativity and positivity that he's gone through. You know, I'm just a big, big old fan all the way around. Mark Marin is somebody, you know, I was watching some of his recent work and, you know, I really, 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 I just like the guy, you know, and I'm in my mid forties and I'm a little closer to his age than, than <laughs> some of the younger comedians, but um, I just a big fan of his. He's he's also another really insightful, really super talented. I mean, none of these are, you know, like jaw dropping revelations. I know a lot of people are fans of the people that I'm mentioning. Uh, Catherine Ryan comes from Canada. She lives in the United Kingdom now. She's kind of a, not kind of she's a big deal in the United Kingdom. And I'm a big old fan of hers. I just I think she's fearless and I think she's positive, and I like what she puts out into the world, and she's super funny, uh, and I mean, everything from her specials to chat shows, interview clips, she's just, I just think she's amazing all around. Uh, Taylor Tomlinson, somebody like a lot of us that, you know, I watched that first special during the pandemic, immediately became a fan She's obviously been at it a long time. She's she's really, 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 really incredible. And then the jump, and I I acknowledge I'm, you know, nothing. <laughs> but I mean, just the jump as a comedy fan, the level of her writing was already so high. And then you get to look at you as a second special, uh, and there's this exponentially incredible jump. She was already amazing. And then the second special was just just like jaw-droppingly amazing. And so I'm a big fan of hers. Eliza, um, again, I like what Eliza puts into the world in terms of her positivity and what she's trying to do. Uh, and I just remain a big old fan. Uh, John Oliver, John Stewart, Seth Meyers, Colbert. Uh, that's That's a real kind of special group of guys. Uh, I saw Seth Meyers at Caroline's right after things opened back up in New York city. And I was just, I don't even know if I should be doing this. He was so good. So those are some people that, that mean a lot to me. All right. So time is up there. We're going to move on to our next question. And again, normally I would be asking this of my guests, but today everybody's stuck with me. <laughs> this way you get a, an idea of what the show is all about. So doing stand-up is hard. Why do you do it? Or why do I do it? So again, it was something I stand up. It was something I started during the pandemic. It was something I was doing online. It was something... I had time, like a lot of people, I had a lot of time on my hands. I had time to put energy into it. It was really, really fun. It it remain it's if you do stand up, you know it's a roller coaster ride uh, at its best. And a lot of the time, it's really, really, really fun. Sometimes maybe in a sick way, even when things aren't going so well in some kind of sick, twisted way, it's really, really fun. I like people. I like meeting people. I like, and I've had a couple smaller audiences recently. It's okay. Where I kind of said, Hey, you know what? When you have a big old show, you put on the best show you can 
for the big old audience. And when you have a smaller show, you put on the best show you can for that single digit number of people in the room, because no matter what, those people have given you their most precious non-renewable natural resource, which is their time. And so I have a joke about this that I'm working on. It, it really does take something. I don't, I don't want to be cliched and I don't want to come off as egotistical when I say this, but it, I mean, it really does take something. And, it, and this goes beyond stand up to a lot of different careers lot of different industries it really does take something special to think to yourself you know i see the world slightly differently and i'm going to ask people to part with their time and given your level of success and eventually their money to hear me express my perception which i think is unique about how I see the world. And that's really at its core, that's really stand up. And so I keep a I keep a notebook. I definitely record every set when I and I'll talk about this a little bit more in another question. Uh, I take notes as far as ideas for stand up on my phone. That way I can actually read them. The world's worst penmanship. But I keep a notebook where I do an entry about every set and every show that I do. And so that kind of charts my journey. I, I do, I'll be real honest, I do quantify, I do kind of count my reps. Because again, it's really important. This is a, a pen and Teller concept. The idea, you know, if you want to be an airline pilot, you need flight time. There's no way that you're going to be able to fly a plane unless you have flight time. So getting back to the answer to this question, it's that opportunity to meet an audience and share with them your unique perception as far as what you're working on in terms of your material that keeps kind of bringing me back again, 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 again. And at its core, again, it's really fun. Sometimes it can be soul crushing. It can be heartbreaking as it's been communicated to me again. And again, the attrition rate is nutso, but when people talk about an endeavor, like something that you have to do, you have to do this thing. That's sort of at this time, how I'm feeling about things. When I, when I restarted this very early, when I got back live on stage, I was also given the opportunity to do some magic again. I'm, I'm still in the process of re-figuring out what my relationship is with magic, theatrical magic. I know what my relationship is with stand-up, and that seems like a sustainable relationship right now, given my goals and how it's feeding my soul in terms of being up on stage performing again. So there you go. So that's my, we time people on the show, not, uh, you know, again, to try to keep everybody to an hour. Cause again, a lot of comedians are always working on their next hour. And so what is your process for writing and sculpting material. And again, we're going to start with our very first guest. They're already scheduled. These are going to be exactly the same questions. It's going to be exactly the same amount of time. This way, again, you know, why is he recording an episode with his voice sounding like this? Uh, it's so that everybody can kind of see the format and understand what we're doing. All right. So we're on for five minutes. <clears throat> what is my process for writing and sculpting material? So as I mentioned my phone, my phone is always with me, right? <laughs> it's, 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 I think a lot of us feel that way. Because wallet, keys, phone, right? The three objects that I, I never leave the house without. Because my phone is always with me, uh, I have, I use just the notepad feature on my phone for jotting down ideas. 
And so I'll share this. And again, especially as we start to get different guests on here, and I already have the first three guests lined up and I'm already starting to chart who I'd like to get on here. You know, we're going to get different answers. And so my hope is that for people who do comedy or aspire to do comedy or even are just fans of comedy and maybe you want to kind of hear about you know how the gears work if you will that you'll get different insights and different perspectives and so for me uh i don't work for the company i really don't but i have a separate google account for comedy and so what i like to do when i write i write on computer and the only time that I don't do that is if I'm so haunted by an idea that I've got to take it down. I mean, I'll write it down by hand, but eventually I'm always going to type it up because what I'm doing is I'm typing it up as a Google Doc and then it lives in that account. And I have it. I have it on all my devices. I can log in. I can take a look at it. I can refine it. I can make multiple copies. That's another thing that I like to do is as I draft it, uh, I make multiple copies along the way. And so that's kind of, that's my process for initial ideas to writing. And then for me, it's a matter of getting it on stage or getting it on Zoom. So I have a new bit that I'm working on and I acknowledge it's a little convoluted and um, it's very me. I know the way that I write and I know this is going to, this, this might just be the lamest thing in the world but I don't, I don't have another way of articulating this and I have two minutes. I know what a good Brian Stoops bit is like by now. And I know the way that I write for myself and a lot of my bits, I'm not, I'm not really talking about an intellectual endeavor here. They're multi-layered they're a little wordy initially. And then I'm really, I, I like the verb sculpting. I'm trying to like chisel away a little bit at the inessential words. And eventually for me, it comes down to it's, it's very musical. And that's the way, that's the way it's going to go. And so record ideas as they come to me on my phone, type them up initially on computer. And I know different people have different approaches. I, I know a lot of people say, you know, don't try to be funny, just get it down. I don't do that. I, I start writing it with an, the eye on getting it quasi performable as soon as possible. And then I want to put it in front of people and different kinds of people and in between. So I'll share this with my last few seconds here. So this new bit that I acknowledge is a little bit convoluted. I did it for the first time in a Zoom show on Friday. Wasn't so great. Mentally refined a couple things. Did it last night and it went exponentially better is it ready like full sign seal delivered no but that's the process so there you go all right time is up for that question a little bit more insight um while i'm moving things along here what i would say is just make sure you find yourself a system where you can you know you you really archive your writing as you go and it's safe all right anyways Describe something you're working on right now in your comedy, a bit, a skill, marketing, an hour, anything. Okay. So I'm at, I'm at kind of an interesting point right now. 
So what I mentioned earlier, Celebrity Girlfriend Draft, that's the name of the show that I took to the Hollywood Fringe. That's the show that I took to the Edinburgh Fringe. That's the show, you know, you're, you're the hour. Even though I'm doing a 75-minute version in England in February, even though I did a 50-minute version in Edinburgh, Comedians are usually talking about their hour, their current hour, their next hour. So I like that hour. I'm going to refine it a bit and I need to pull one bit that uh, I, I was very encouraged by this. I, I felt there was really only one bit that didn't quite work for UK audiences in Scotland. And so I'm going to pull that. Before I go to England, I'm going to replace it uh, because the the couple nights that it killed were when I had people, you know, because Edinburgh is obviously very international. And so I had people from from the United States and they loved it. Um, but the the people from the UK, uh, the, the there was a group from from England and they were like, yeah, that except for that bit. We liked everything. We just we just didn't get that bit, you know, um, so. It's not like that hour is finished, the world's greatest thing ever that anybody ever wrote. But I like that hour and I feel good about that hour. And while I'm still performing that hour, I'm honestly pondering maybe self-producing a final or at least a publicly presentable version of that hour. And then what I'm starting to work on right now is my next hour. And so my second to last show in Edinburgh, I, I'll share this. I, I was struck by the feeling I was having a really great time. And I was struck by the feeling that that moment, having just wrapped up my second to last show at the at my first time at the Edinburgh Fringe, I, I had this profound feeling that all the great moments in my life, including that moment, were interconnected in some way. That gave me an idea for my next hour. And so I had a show, I had an in-person show last week where I had a little bit of downtime from work before the show. And I went and, and just had a little something to eat. And I really got down to the business of just kind of mapping or outlining that show. So right now I'm actively working on my second hour and I'm very cognizant of like the sophomore slump, right? It's, it's, I've, I've seen this in a lot of facets in my life, like my sophomore year of high school. I had a great time in high school and like nothing too terrible happened during any of the four years. But my my sophomore year was my least favorite year of high school. Uh, for many, many years, I wanted to be a high school administrator. My second of the three years I was a high school administrator was a really challenging year. So I'm really feeling like this this is coming slow and it's okay like i have a bit about the zombie apocalypse that my wife heard it for the first time in a zoom show recently and she's like yeah you should never perform that again and that bit's either gotten that response like dead silence or people loved it there's no in between so I'm working on my second hour right now. I'm working on that 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 second that sophomore batch of material. I'm also really just enjoying posting shorts on social media. Uh, I'm very close to as I've only been doing this since June of this year. This is October. I'm about to hit a hundred thousand views on YouTube, and I know for some people those are ba baby numbers. But I mean, six months ago, I was looking at people with a million views saying, oh, I could never do that. I know it's a bit in the future, but it's it's on the horizon. So I'm enjoying doing that consistently. Right. So 
Let me move things forward here. I'm going to grab some water. Let me just get a drink. All right. Describe any positive milestone in your comedy experience. Let me get five on the clock here. Here we go. Okay. I, I've already sort of spoken about this, but the, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, six-day run this past, you know, late August of 2023, a dream like absolute dream. And so I did the Hollywood fringe. That was a really nice experience. I did a, you know, I flew in on a Thursday morning and there were some interesting hiccups where I barely caught my plane. Got in, got very caffeinated <laughs> did some tech, went away to a coffee shop across the street from the venue, uh, ran the show in my head, went and did the first show, and it was great. You know, had a day to rest, and then did another show Saturday, and then went out with some friends uh, Saturday evening, and then flew home Sunday. And... While that was slightly, you know, stressful, this is somewhere, you know, this is where I grew up. So my friends came to the show, some comedian friends came to the shows, some martial arts friends came to the shows, my family came to the shows, my folks, um, my best friends came to the shows, you, you know, and, and so the only honestly real stress about that was kind of promoting the two performances and just finding an audience. It's, you know, it's hard enough. It's sometimes it's hard getting four people together to have a dinner, <laughs> you know, much less. And this is a very small, I think we sat 20, 22, uh, times two, right? So there's only 40-something seats available between both performances. So Edinburgh, I don't know anybody there, right? How am I going to promote the show? It took me a couple days to establish my routine. But by the time Wednesday rolled around, you know, I didn't even need my phone anymore for for like where my venue was relative to where I was staying relative to the Royal Mile for going out there and, you know, they call it flyering when you, you go out there and, and sell your wares. Uh, I also discovered that like being, I guess I'm a pushy New Yorker now. Uh, so like having no fear about, we call it barking here in New York City, that was really helpful. And so Edinburgh was just, you know, I, I'll be completely honest, there were elements of that where I could have done a little bit more prior to the festival, but I was a little paralyzed by stress and uncertainty. And so thankfully I only sort of paid the price for that in a very minimal way. I had smaller audiences. I had an audience. I felt good about it. It was a positive experience. Um, if I had a time machine, would I have done it differently? Sure. But I mean, it worked out 96%, you know, the best it possibly could, not knowing what I know. So now, and I felt this way sitting in the airport waiting, waiting for the plane to fly home, I kind of feel like I went to International Comedy Festival College. And so... Some things, this thing I mentioned in England, which I can't go into detail about, and some other opportunities that I'm just really, really, really excited about. And I'm ready to just maximize. I'm not going to be shy. I'm not going to be, there's no reason to be, um, because I, I, even though I haven't been there, I kind of know what to expect in a way. Uh, I also would just say, I know I shared about this. It's last December 
and I already kind of told you the story, you know, got to play the the comedy store for the first time in Hollywood. And it was just a super surreal, fun, crazy evening. And like I mentioned, you know, Gary Busey was there, some other comedian friends that I got, I, I got to meet in person as opposed to Zoom. They were there. And it was just a magical, memorable night. Really, really fun. All right. So moving on. So same thing. I am going to grab some water. And again, if you are audio only, thank you for putting up with my slightly incapacitated voice here. But I think I'm doing all right. All right, so describe a time you learned an important comedy lesson by having a negative experience. Okay, so depending on the, you know, we have, I have five minutes, but we'll see. I might be able to squeeze in more than one here. But what comes to mind, so as I shared, I, I started on Zoom and I really liked doing Zoom comedy and I felt it was as positive an experience as it possibly could have been. 2021, things start opening again. It becomes possible with precautions to start doing in-person open mics and performances again. So I did a couple open mics and then I did, pardon me, grab another drink here. I did the industry room at Broadway Comedy Club, which is basically a bringer audition. And that show has the potential to go really, really, really well. Because think about it, right? It's you're loading up the room with family and friends. They know it's kind of an audition. And that was an evening that went incredibly well, incredibly well. And I had done open mics. I had done another bringer showcase prior to that. And that bringer showcase was my first time. I did a couple open mics. And then I did that bringer showcase and it went as well as it could. Like I didn't die, die. <laughs> it was a solid five out of 10, maybe six minus. I definitely didn't die. I got some laughs. Uh, I actually invented a line that's still in that chunk to this day that I really like. I came up with it on the spot. So you know, there were some some good things that came out of it. But I experienced that initial showcase. I really lost time. My adrenaline, despite all my background in performing, you know, it, it doesn't mean anything. It's a whole other set of muscles when it comes to doing stand-up. I really, like, time sped up. I was so, the adrenaline dump was crazy. And I didn't really chill out until I got the light. I was doing a five-minute set. And then by that point, I was wrapping up. So this, this time that I started talking about at Broadway, it, it went incredible. I mean, relative to my inexperience at that time, it went absolutely incredible. Got a great response. Uh, I did not experience that whole, like, adrenaline dump. Like, I was very cognizant of the five minutes and felt really good about it. Uh, I ended up not getting a residency, but I got development spots, which was super encouraging at that time. You know, I had just transitioned from Zoom comedy to like performing in person. So it was a super positive experience. Okay, here's the lesson. <laughs> I really thought, oh, this, that experience that I had at Broadway, I really thought that that's going to be stand-up now. Like I did it, did it guys. <laughs> I trans, I, I did all this training oh, geez, online and now 
now I'm now I've reached a level. No, absolutely not. And so uh, it was a very steep learning curve. But I learned this lesson very, very quickly. You know, if you're really serious about this, you have so many shows that you owe your destiny that are going to go horribly, absolutely horribly. And there's no way around it. Uh, you know, I, I have a comedian friend in LA. He's been doing this forever, you know, and he always reminds me, do I saw Robin Williams bomb Robin Williams, right? Like one of the greatest, most unique, one of the best people to ever do this, the sharpest minds in real time. Everybody's done it. Everybody has to do it along their pathway. So that, that was a really important lesson uh, that I learned by virtue of a negative experience. I learned it very, very quickly. All right, let's transition here. Aside from maybe fame and monetary success, please describe what a dream comedy legacy would look like for you. So let, let me initially approach this removed, I hope, removed from ego then i'll go back to ego just a little bit and then i'll move away from ego again and wrap this up i'm really enjoying putting energy into this right now into stand-up into comedy and it's coming at an ideal time in my life you know my wife works for a theater company she loves that theater company they love her it's an ideal time period for her. My son is my oldest. He's 16. Um, there's my, my amazing kid on the autism spectrum. You know, he's, he's made so much progress. He loves living in New York city. His life is so good. Um, he's doing homeschooling this year and but he's got like, he does piano lessons. He's in a play. Like his life is super awesome right now. My daughter just started. She's a freshman at this really cool performing arts high school in Manhattan. She auditioned her way. It was her top choice. She got in, she took it. Like I couldn't be more proud of her. Everybody's doing their thing. Everybody's doing their thing, including me. So, I mean, my day job, I'm still a high school teacher. I'm back performing and I love it and I'm addicted. And these shows I'm producing right now, the comedians that I'm being lucky enough to work with, and these are the people I'm going to be, you know, I want to feature them as guests. It's, these are the people I'm going to be talking to on this podcast no ego. Like I'm getting these really incredible people. Hey, I, I talked to so-and-so at such and such show or festival. And they said, you're like a really good producer. Do you have anything? Do you have any shows coming up? Do you have any spots you can give me? And so that I take that opportunity really seriously to be able to work with people in a positive way, in a professional way, in an encouraging way. I don't know that, you know, I'm not saying like I'm world's greatest producer, but I'm really enjoying it. And I'm really enjoying meeting all these incredible people who share my same, the same obsession with sharing with people, you know, this unique way, this funny way in which you see the world. And so it's, it's it, it, like in my family, it's everybody's time right now. It's my time to pursue this. So everything I'm putting out, like on social media, all the shows I'm doing, I just hope people enjoy it. I hope it, it lightens up their day. And I hope Again, I don't know if this is going to, if this is ego-y, like I'm putting a lot of energy into this. I feel like I have 
something unique to say, and I hope people are enjoying that. Here's the truly ego-filled part. You know, I grew up at, I grew up performing. There were a ton of people in my life that, you know, maybe it's like Brian went and became a teacher. And I love being an educator. And I put a ton of energy into being the best educator that I can be. And I think I put a lot of good into the world. Uh, I know the ultimate form of validation is not needing the validation, but I also just hope some of the people in my life are enjoying me, enjoying watching me, enjoying performing again. And then, you know, lastly, I just, this is my perspective I like one of the shows that I produce that it's literally called the just edgy enough comedy show. I don't judge anybody who does this. Like my style is very non-confrontational. I want my audiences to be comfortable because I want to share my experiences and my perspective. I want them to leave feeling like they know me. So I want to keep that up and keep putting energy into that approach. Cause I think it's worthwhile. And that's, that's the way I want to be doing things. All right, let's move on here. All right, so 10 minutes, episode wrap up, any kind of reminders, and then just a general ending. And these will be the last 10 minutes of the show, and then we're done. So for anybody who's going to watch this, that's those are the questions. This is the format. Once again, this... I know you know this already if you've been watching the episode. This episode hasn't been about narcissism. This way, everybody can see kind of what I'm thinking and how things will work. You know, imagine me asking these questions as somebody else, same time frames, and that is how we're going to proceed. And so, once again, you know, if you have enjoyed this and you're listening or watching the shortened version of this episode, Depending on where you're seeing it, if you can leave a like and either subscribe or follow me, it really does make a heck of a difference. And I really appreciate it. And uh, feel free, you can comment as well, you know, if you if, if anything resonated with you uh, or if you have any thoughts or opinions about the format. I look forward to hearing those or, uh, you know, if I didn't mention something or if you have a question about anything that I said, you know, please leave that. Um, once again, for me, Brian with a Y, B-R-Y-A-N, Stoops, S-T-O-O-P-S, Brian Stoops Comedy. So brianstoopscomedy.com is my website. And... You also, when you go to brianstoopscomedy.com, you can put in your email address. And as a thank you for putting in your email address, you can watch a 15-minute set. And I don't email my list all that often. I don't write like daily or anything like that. It's not affiliate marketing. I'm usually just sharing some kind of insights and kind of letting you know what I'm up to and letting you know about shows that are coming up. And sometimes I'll share a story, you know, if I, if I come back from a really great show or if I meet somebody cool or if I see somebody cool or if I have some experience, I might kind of share that. But I try not to blow up people's inboxes too much, but, you know, going to brianstoopscomedy.com and just putting in your best email address is a great way of staying in touch with me. Uh, the Whiskey Cellar, this is going to go out early enough. The Whiskey Cellar is formerly, it uh, used to be Cellar 77. That's in the East Village in Manhattan. Next Sunday, one week from today, Sunday, October 15th, 2023 at 6 p.m., we have the Just Edgy Enough comedy show. And that show is completely complimentary. We do not charge for tickets. Guests just need to buy two drinks from the venue to support the venue. Uh, we have a different lineup than we did last month. It's going to be really, really fun. 
that show will always be the third Sunday of every month. So, you know, um, I mean, I, I would imagine, unless there's some crazy holiday or something like that, and we, in which case, obviously, we'd, we'd move it or reroute it. We'll let you know ahead of time. But the next one, next one for sure, uh, is coming up next week. And once again, that's a complimentary show. We do not charge for tickets. There's no catch, literally no catch. Uh, there's no upsells or anything. I hate that word, but there's not, you know, um, all you need to do is purchase two drinks from the venue. And if cash is an issue or money is an issue, you can buy two soft drinks, come in and enjoy a, a really, you know, a 90 minute stand up comedy show. It's, it's a really cool little venue. If you've never been there, we seat about 20 in that little, it's got like a speakeasy vibe downstairs. It's a really cool venue. So please come out and join us for that. We also have another Q Gardens comedy show. That's at Austin's Ale House in Q Gardens, Q Gardens, Queens. And that one is going to be Thursday, October 26th at 8 p.m. And that one, I've got an absolutely incredible lineup. Tickets are only $10 each. And then there is a $2, a $2, two drink minimum from the venue. But again, it's, I mean, you're avoiding that like $25 to $35 a head ticket charge in Manhattan to see a very similar caliber show. I've got absolutely great people. Uh, my headliner last night is a, you know, is a guy who's been opening up for Hassan Minaj, literally. And I know, like, when I heard that, I was like, BS. Of course, I didn't say BS, but I, I thought the, the full phrase. And then I saw the video. Sure enough, like 2,000 seat theater opening up for Hassan Minaj. So really good. We have a rotating. We never have the same lineup. Sometimes I do bring people back that I've worked with before if they're really, really funny, but I try to switch it up. Cause again, that lets me meet new people. Um, and frankly, like later, you know, possible guests for this show. So, um, you know, please make sure again, if you, if you brianstoopscomedy.com and then you put in your best email address, uh, you'll, or, or another way is Instagram. So at brianstoopscomedy, and, you know, for sure, you have, there will always be a link in my bio to the ticket link. We also do a ticket link for the show at the Whiskey Cellar, even though it's complimentary, just for a headcount, because it is such a small venue. We don't want to, you know, if, if 30 people are expecting to come see, they're not all going to fit. So we want to make sure um, that we actually know who is going to show up. So Again, make sure either, you know, you're subscribed, brianstoopscomedy.com or follow me on Instagram at brianstoopscomedy. Um, I'm also on TikTok, TikTok as well as at brianstoopscomedy. And uh, I just tend to do a, again, like a, like a post a day on TikTok. And that's been kind of cool. I know people have different, feelings about TikTok, but uh the hashtag Brian Stoops comedy I think is at about just about 40,000 views and just the hashtag Brian Stoops again spelled correctly with a Y uh is sitting at about like 35 or 37,000. And again, it why why am I saying this, you know, for anybody who's just a casual comedy fan, uh club bookers today care about those things and so if you're like oh man he's being real shallow some days it does feel shallow um for example i just had and again i know for some people these are baby numbers but for me i'm watching all this happen for the very first time and it's just kind of cool because i've only really been playing this game since june of this year uh, I just had my first video on a uh, short on Instagram that got 10,000 views. And I just thought that was kind of cool. And I mean, it didn't change my life. It didn't, you know, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't call the school and I'm, I'm a comedian now. Um, it's just kind of neat to, to think that that many people, uh, you know, watch so many seconds of, of your stupid 
joke about how your wife never answers your phone calls, which is, you know, 95% rooted in truth. She's taken like three of my calls in the 20 years we've been together. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so, you know, please make sure you're keeping up with me on social media and please make sure you're keeping up with me uh, on YouTube. If you just search Brian Stoops comedy, uh, you'll find me right away. And again, I like uh, some of the shorts and a subscription. You can turn your notifications off, frankly, if, if it's a hindrance. And uh, the other thing about uh, Instagram is I'm usually Instagram and Facebook. I have a Facebook group, uh, Brian Stoops Comedy. Uh, and groups are nice because, you know, every time I post there, I tend to only post once a day about, uh, you get a notification, but the Facebook and Instagram and threads is typically where I'm posting, uh, my, like my monthly schedule and, and email. I'm usually a little bit more diligent about, uh, reminding you about the shows I'm producing and let myself, unless, a producer friend whose show I'm on, you know, also really wants the promotion, uh, then I'm, I'm happy to do that as well. So please make sure you're keeping up with me on social media. Everything tends to be at Brian Stoops comedy or Brian Stoops comedy.com. We got the show at the whiskey cellar on the 15th of October and the show at Austin's ale house on October 26. Otherwise I am at a time I hope you enjoyed this inaugural episode of the 96-person bringer podcast. Again, this was kind of like a sample episode, but this is going to be the format. And we're going to start rolling out regular episodes with incredible guests very, very soon. If you enjoyed this, please let me know with a comment. Uh, but thank you so much for being here. And once again, I really hope you enjoyed this. All right. Until the next episode, everybody, take care. Bye for now.